is lesson three on uh, uh, something I started a couple of weeks ago called Be Prepared. I'm really looking at 2024. How many know 2024 is coming really quickly? And I always wondered what life would be like in uh, 2024. So here we are. So uh, the Lord, I was actually in the mountains at a meeting uh, mid-November, and the Lord spoke to me and gave me just the guts of what I'm uh, uh, sharing with you uh, the last few weeks, and I'll end today. One way or the other, it will stop today. Uh, my notes are available. There's so much today that I will just barely hit the high spots, but I have lots of stuff in the notes, so if you like to read and like to learn more, there will be a lot in the notes I will not cover, so you can go to Victory Church Raleigh and uh, go to the notes. The notes are readily available, so I encourage you to look at the notes. Also, if you have any questions about anything I ever share, me and encourage you to do this just because I say something you want to make sure it's in the word right even though I'm a pastor don't 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 swallow everything you hear unless you can substantiate it with scripture right so make sure what I say is word-based right you want to do that and if you got a, anything you'd like to share with me or talk to me about or have questions you may have that uh, email address there on the screen will get you right to me and I will respond to you so uh, anyway thank you um just by way of review uh, this is a day not look to look backward but how many know it's a day to look ahead Right, And uh, it's a day not to be a casual believer, but to be a serious believer and give everything you have to Jesus. We have, a lot of, we have had a lot of casual Christianity in America over the recent years. How many understand what I said when I say that? And that's time to really, really sell out and, and give your all to Jesus. If you're ever going to walk with God, today's the day to do it. It does seem as though we're living in the times just prior to Jesus' return to earth. And that includes the rapture of the church. That includes includes the uh, seven years of hard time that some people call the tribulation. Jesus called the latter part of that the great tribulation. A, a really wrathful time is included in that called the, the day of the Lord. I have spoke about all that in, in the past, and it's all on our website. And uh, it also includes the second coming of Christ. So a lot of great things coming up, but uh, there's hell on wheels coming too. How many hear me? And we just need to be really ready for that. We've been uh, in a time of great volatility and change uh, really over the last um, uh, uh, next year, be four years that we've been in that. And I heard a guy yesterday say, I uh, was walking, and uh, I usually do that listening to a podcast, and he said it, and I agree with him. He said, the world we knew prior to 2020 will never come back. Now, that's a sad thing to think about. So I enjoy, do you enjoy life? And, you know, I was thinking about the things I enjoy in life. Some of those things are just not as they were prior to that. Nonetheless, Jesus is coming back. How many are excited about that? And our ambition should be to get people to go with us to heaven and get them ready for the future. So don't be a sleepy believer. Don't be a believer that's put to sleep by the culture around us. Don't be a casual believer. And it's a day to give ourselves spiritual checkups. We talked about that in the past. Uh, so six ways to be prepared for 2024. I've talked about this in the past. Stay full of the Word of God. About seven or eight people got it. Don't just read the Bible. Get it inside of you. Let the Word of God get in you. It'll unravel your life and change habits and interests and desires. If you let it, what you do with the Word determines what the Word will do in you. So the word is like a seed. If you'll foster the seed, when you plant seeds in the ground, if you'll just keep the weeds away and, and keep the moisture in the soil and, and let them get sunlight, by nature a seed is created to grow, right? 
and to mature. And that's the way the word is in you. If you're not changing, it's because you're doing nothing with the seed God gave you. And the seed is the word. So God wants us to grow. He wants the word to get inside of us. We've talked about this in weeks past. And then once the word gets in you, the next phase of that is Jesus wants you to be a disciple. And that's a person who gives his will over to God and says, it's not what I want to do, it's what you want to do. And so that's incremental in every juncture of life. You learn more and more to let go of uh, everything you think you have to do. When God is speaking to do something else, you're willing to yield your will to him. We talked about that in fair detail. And then the end result of all this is Jesus wants every one of us to minister life on his behalf to someone else. Yes or no? So, so you know, you have a goal. The goal that God has for your life is when you live, leave the doors of this building, you should be an effective witness for Jesus. You should tell others about what Jesus has done for you, right? So when's the last time you shared Jesus with somebody? So I don't remember. Well, ask the Lord to give you opportunities to share Jesus with others. And, you know, it may be a phrase. It may be a word. It may be a conversation. But you can plant seeds in other people's lives. And God, God wants us to do that. How many hear me? Uh, last week, we talked about staying full of the Holy Ghost. How many are thankful for the Spirit of God in your life? So I could talk about that for the, uh, this time again. But, uh, you know... I appreciate the fact that he brings to the table truth, discernment, and direction. And I've been walking with Jesus uh, over 47 years, and I'm very grateful to the Holy Spirit. And you should be too, right? And if you'll let him in your life in fullness, he will direct your steps, and he'll keep you from things that will harm your life, harm your family, harm your children, and he'll make you a blessing to others. How many hear me? So uh, stay full of the Holy Ghost. That was the second point. The third point, I mentioned this last week. How many know you need to stay close to your family? And so family things are all important to God. In fact, how you treat your family really shows your spirituality. If you act like a saint with a halo over your head and you got wings sprouting on your back when you're at church, but you act like a, I don't even know that, I don't even know the adjective to describe. You act like the north end of the southbound mule at home. Now, yeah, I know. Oh, my eyes, right. Then, you know, you got some real serious problems. My spirituality really is shown at home. Our spirituality is shown how we treat our spouse, how we treat our children, right? Our true spirituality is shown by what we do, right? So, so you, you want to do that right. Stay away from the undercurrent, the anti-family undercurrent today. It is everywhere. Do you hear me? And there are those whose goal is that your children never name the name Jesus, have no, no idea of a godly family the Bible way. They want your children to, uh, your girl to marry a girl, your boy to marry, marry a boy, your boy to act like a girl, and your girl to act like a boy. And none of that is the will of God. God sanctions marriage in the Old Testament and New Testament. And marriage, God's way, is a man married to a woman. One man married to one woman. Not one man married to two women. Not two women married to one man. Not, two men, not one man married to another man. Not one woman married to another woman. It's all crooked up and crazy today. I made that up. I don't even know how I got that. But how many hear what I'm saying? There's no place in the Word of God for any family unit except a man and a woman who are created in the image of God. I mean, listen, God had the idea of marriage to start with, right? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. So, so why do we want to go and muck it up, mess it up? No, you know, we even had to put in our bylaws in our ministry here our definition of marriage so that we could continue our 
uh, obligation to obey God and preach and teach the way we want to without other people interfering. How many hear what I'm saying? It's so crazy today. So uh, the Marxist ideal, the Antichrist's ideal is the dissemination, the ruining of the family. So there is no family structure. Strong families create strong nations, right? Strong communities, right? Strong families create strong churches, right? So uh, anyway, I'll be talking about family some on Wednesday night. So y'all come and we'll see where we go with that. Fourth, number four in being prepared for 2024 is be aware of deception. Everybody say it. Be aware of deception. One last time, Satan's going to seek to control the world, and it's not going to work. You know that, but judgments will come from the Lord and will uh, ruin his plans, and he'll find his way into the place called the Lake of Fire along with uh, the Antichrist and the false prophets spoken of in uh, Revelation 13, 14. But nonetheless, we got some really strange times that we are actually navigating into now. Jesus said this in Luke uh, 21, uh, his disciples asked him what life would be like just prior to Jesus' return. And the first thing Jesus said was, uh, in fact, they said, what will it be like? And he said, and here's five different translations of Luke 21, 8. Don't let anyone mislead you or uh, see that you are not led astray. That's the first thing Jesus said. Or the complete Jewish Bible said, watch out. Don't be fooled. Or God's Word translation says, be careful that you're not deceived. Or the Passion translation says, deception will run rampant. Right? So that's the first thing Jesus addressed when his disciples asked him what it's going to be like. And I've shared this so many times before. But friends, just need to know that everything you hear is not true. A lot of what you hear is false and is programmed to make you think a certain way and is also programmed to sway your opinions. How many hear me? Now, I got something to say, but before I go there, um, I got to hold these two scriptures back in uh, 1976, 1977-ish, and they really impacted my life. And I don't know why, but when I came to the Lord as an 18-year-old in the 1970s, Uh, The world was different than it is now. There wasn't an internet, so uh, uh, the dissemination of information wasn't like it is today. But even then, I wanted to steer clear. When I came to Jesus, it was so fresh. You understand, I came from a religious background, uh, Southern Baptist, which I love Southern Baptists. Thank God they're born again, right? But there's just more than they would preach and teach at my church. Um, And so when I really came to the Lord and and, and fully gave my life to Jesus as an 18-year-old, and I just... You know, I just went head over heels for God. I mean, it's, uh, if I'm, you know, I sinned. I sinned strong. I mean, I sin. If I'm going to sin, I'm going to sin, you know. But, so I just figured, well, if I'm going to walk with God, this is to do it strong. Let's just give it all we got, right? So uh, if I could do that for my flesh, I can do that for Jesus, right? So uh, I began to read the Word, and, and there's just something inside of me. Uh, you know, I had been all these years, almost 18 years in a church. I never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Didn't know that healing was available. Miracles were available. The gifts of the Spirit were available and that kind of thing. And uh, so that was, I said, well, I, I never knew that. So I wanted to steer clear of anything that would try to, uh, try to take that away because it's clear in the Word of God those things are available. So uh, I, I was aware of, of cessationists who say those things aren't available. And then, and then on the other extreme, there were, there were the Calvinists of the day. And, and you could liken these in the Bible to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, They were the religious people that tried to, you know, they're the ones that really persecuted Jesus more than anybody else. It wasn't the rank sinner. It was the the religious people. They're the ones that put him on the cross. 
Is that true? So, you know, when I'm studying, reading my Bible, and, and then picking up books, we had a bookstore on the campus, and I, I actually went to a Bible school that was part of the church that I came to the Lord in. And when I began to read books, I said, God, keep me on the path of truth, because everything you read is not right. And um, and said, so, Lord, how, how can I stay on the straight and narrow and, and, and avoid the, the Calvinistic perfectionism that judges everybody? And then how can I steer clear of the of the cessationists who say miracles aren't for today and, and God doesn't hardly even answer prayer today. He just does what he wants to do. You just stay out the way, right? I mean, it's kind of that way. So 1 John 2.20 really appealed to me as a young man. Still does today. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know or understand all things. I like, don't you like that? You know what that's saying? When you tool through, as you tool through life and information comes, you just have this uncanny ability to discern right from wrong, true from false. That's inside of us as believers. In fact, I would say that's your inheritance in Christ, right? And then a sister verse, just a few verses down in 1 John 2, uh, says this, verse 27, but the anointing that you've received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as that same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you'll abide in him. There's an anointing on the inside of us that helps us differentiate the false from the true. So, you know, I have taken that. And so as a young man, I, uh, the first thing I did is I'm going to get into the Word. I figured if I could get this book inside of me and, and know the contents of this book well, then, then anything that doesn't line up with Scripture, then I'm going to be aware of that. In fact, I just heard somebody again yesterday as I was taking my almost three-mile walk. I heard them say, again, you know, people that work in the banking industry and deal with the dollar, they don't take all of the time to try to look at all of the, the, uh, all of the false money that is around. They don't pay attention to that. They learn the real dollar. They learn the real so they can detect the fraud a mile away, so to speak, right? And see, that's the way it is. If you get the word inside of you, something that's against the word, you're going to know it. You have an unction from the Holy One. I don't know how many times I've picked up a book. It's like, whoa, whoa. It sounded right, but, I, but something on the inside of me began to scratch me. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So you know what? And I don't know how many times I've been sitting somewhere listening to someone. And, you know, everybody's saying this is the greatest person since, uh, you know, whatever. And uh, I'm saying, well, there's something going on inside me saying, whoa, 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 be careful with this, right? So over the years, there's ministries I haven't followed. There's people I haven't read after. Now, why is that? Because you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you discern, you know things, right? So you need to take advantage of that today. Again, I'm amazed at the believers who can be so easily swayed into false doctrine or false this or false that or things that are simply not right. I'm, I'm amazed by it. You know what it tells me? They haven't had a love of truth in their life. If you fall in love with the Word of God, get it inside of you, it will steer you clear of deception. Yes or no? So I could talk about that a long time. But let me just say this. The spirit of deception today is stronger than it's ever been in my lifetime. It's huge. And people, and, and, and you see, it's so uncanny. It's an undercurrent that people don't, need, don't even aware it's there. And so Jesus said uh, the time before his return would be typified by great deception. So again, um, 
I think at the, the, the forefront of this, and we talk about this in a minute, is now let me use a phrase you may not uh, understand, artificial intelligence. Somebody talk about artificial intelligence, AI for short. AI, artificial intelligence, they have given computers a limited ability to think and reason. Now, you know, the uh, language there for all things computer is gigo, garbage in, garbage out. So a computer, computer can only think based on what you give it. But see, the algorithms that come from a computer, because it happens in a milli, 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 millisecond, uh, sometimes it's much quicker than the human mind, and it can look at all the information. And now they have programs that can simply, uh, in fact, listen to this. So this is AI. I have, I have, I, I am, uh, I pay a subscription for an app that literally at my fingertips, I have millions of books, as long as they're digital. Now, see, see, artificial intelligence can take that, and, can, and, and it does. It shows, you, it shows you every book with a certain word in it. You get it? So now artificial intelligence and algorithms, which read all of the mass of things that are happening, algorithms can cause artificial intelligence to, to figure out uh, where a culture is going or if the person that created it They want the culture to go, let me just get real, the Antichrist will use it, cut to the chase, to lead people away from God, away from Jesus, away from family values, away from personal freedoms, into a group think mentality, which which will foster Marxism, socialism, and communism. You ever think about any of that? Well, no, I'll just get up and read paper. I just get up and look at my abs. I just look and see what I got. Well, you need to be thinking because there's an undercurrent of artificial intelligence. Somebody asked God, y'all know who Elon Musk is? Whether you like him or not, you know, I like him and don't like him. I just, he's Elon Musk. He's, you know, got SpaceX and what? He bought Twitter and now it's called X for whatever reason and got several other companies and stuff. And, uh, you know, he's a pretty smart guy for what he's done. I think he's actually the um, wealthiest person in the world, right? Somebody asked him, what is the, uh, the uh, most dangerous thing in the future of the world? And you know what his answer was? Artificial intelligence. In fact, one of the guys I think that worked for Google, they, they asked him, what is his biggest concern for the future? He says, artificial intelligence. In fact, he quit his job. If I, if I read the article right, he quit his job where he actually helped manufacture artificial intelligence and all of the guts that make that happen. And he said, it's too dangerous because once that artificial intelligence gets a will of its own and gets out from the control of the people that, that created it, it can do great da- damage and danger. It, it's very dangerous for the world. How many know that's really true right now? So uh, the reason that's difficult and challenging is because anything made by man is corrupt. Did you hear what I just said? Jeremiah 17, 9 is still true. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. So anything you hear now, you've just got to understand AI is a part of it, right? So you say AI ain't a part of my life. Well, if you've got a, if you've got a mobile phone and, and you're texting and you see some little, uh, little words come up that, that should be the next words you could type, that's artificial intelligence, Huh? So whether you like it or not, it's a part of your life. 
And it's, it's working around you at all times. In fact, uh, if you like Siri, uh, you've got that little thing, you know, on your phone. And you can say, I want blah, blah, blah. That's artificial intelligence. Did you know that? And Siri, can, you can say, they can, how are you this morning? Well, I'm very well, I thank you. <laughs> you know, whatever. So I'm just saying they, they've programmed artificial intelligence to mimic humans. Did you know online um, artificial intelligence can look and sound exactly like a real person? Did you know that? And, and in fact, I've seen, maybe you've seen some of this. They got, they got little uh, electronic people and they look exactly, they can make it look like a handsome hunk of a guy and make it look like a beautiful girl, woman. And that's a news person and they're, they're giving you the news. But they're, they're, nothing on their facial features is human. It's made by a computer. And then they've got them to where the algorithms can figure out what you look at online and what kind of person you want to see. And they can make, make a human that's not human, but you think it's human, that looks, looks like someone that's appealing to you, whether male or female. Did you know that? It's true. And, and then all the words come up as artificial intelligence, as algorithms and, you know, yada, yada. So, so just be, how many, I know it may be over some people's heads, but that's some real stuff that's happening right now. Um, so learn to listen um, with a grain of salt for anything that you hear from any sources, whether it's news, on the television, whether it's any kind of media, Facebook, Reels, Instagram, websites, podcasts, magazines, newspapers, YouTube, Twitter. Just be aware, AI is working in the background all the time. Here's what You say, well, what's so big deal with that? I thought that'd make life easier. Well, it could make life easier, but it can't complicate life. Because see, see it's, a t it's a programming tool. So AI today is being used to program the world, program Americans. Uh, you can go to every level of culture, program married people, program children, right? Uh, program the residents of a particular nation to think, think this is important, this is not important. And the importance is based on how frequently you see or hear something. Do you hear what I'm saying? So if everybody's saying the same thing, that must be right. That must be true. That is not true. Just because everybody's saying it doesn't mean it's true. And you've got to have discernment. Today, you need a lot of discernment. And you know what I found out? A lot of people have zero discernment today. I mean, literally, I scratched my head thinking, what in the world? If I had hair, I'd just mess it all up. Think, how, do they, how do they do that? How do they do that? Why don't they know? You know, you have a bit of an advantage if you lived prior to the internet age. Because you remember life before everything got mixed up. Right? And you had some moments of solitude where you not, don't have a phone staring you in the face every minute. Right? But now, this thing right here is controlling everybody's thought life. Yes or no? I mean, y'all, even when I'm in Ethiopia, I've watched, seen people on donkeys with these in their hand. They don't have a car. They got a donkey. They don't live in a house like you. They live in a mud hut, but they got a phone. I said, well, how in the world they charge the thing up? Well, they go somewhere, they got a little charge place. They charge that thing up and then run away and they look at that phone. I said, this is a cuckoo world. But see, artificial intelligence, it's a tool. It'll be used by the Antichrist. You hear what I'm saying? Well, it manipulates lots of things. So, so see, let me say this. Well, Pastor, I mean, you don't do Facebook. and See, I'm just, I do Facebook. I do Instagram. I do uh, Twitter. What else? You name it. 
Uh, I, I see all that stuff. Yes, pastor, you do. Well, yeah, but I'm not stupid. You know, I look and I see. I look at all the little ads. I think, why do they want to advertise that? I don't want that on my Facebook page. Why are they doing that? Well, it's all about, it's all about influencing you one way or the other. So, so I do it. I use it as tools to get the gospel. I almost shut the Facebook down several years ago, and I was apprehended by the Lord. Don't do it. Because I'll cut myself off from culture, and I wouldn't even have a voice. So, you know, I put my sermons on there. Now, you know, I know the algorithms don't like us a whole lot sometimes because of what I say, and that's fine. Uh, there's other avenues besides Facebook and YouTube and, you know. I look at all those other avenues as well, but I use these things as a tool to get the gospel out. I don't want to disengage from the world and isolate myself. How many hear what I just said? You do that, you're going to lose. So I'm on all of them, but I insulate myself from the inside out. How many think that's important? Uh, so the majority, let me say it this way. Is everybody okay? I'll read some scripture here in a second, but just let me get this out. The majority of what you see in here, really, you don't know it, but it's propagandized. It's propaganda. What do you mean by propaganda? Now, people are using information tools to sway your opinions on everything from what you eat, what you drink, what you do, who you're with, what you value, and what you think a nation should be like, and who should be the president of that nation. It's propaganda. So, so propaganda, it, it's not just information disseminated. It also consists of what they won't allow to be published. Huh? So some things are never mentioned, never talked about. Other things are talked about constantly. What's that doing? Unconsciously, it's swaying people's opinions. Is that true? So they say, well, that ain't bad. What they're doing is not bad. But are they, are, they, are they emphasizing the proper things that help your family and help you be pure and help you be truthful and help you prioritize life right and don't let things and money and activity and, and, and um, you know, entertainment be, be the first place thing in your life, right? So all this stuff, y'all, everything I just said, there's a lot to say there, and it's happening in real time. So they leave a lot of content out that's what my notes say right here. Let me see what this does say. Let me just read this, make sure I got it all out. A majority of what you see in here on social media is propaganda. It has the underlying belief system that it propagates that comes from the group that owns it. Right? So if you're a simplistic person, well, and people smart, well, you know, they might be so smart they're full of the devil. Huh? The wisdom of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Just be aware. Be smart. They leave a lot out of their content. It's not even there. So uh, it is to them as though it's not important. And then they want you to think it's not important. It's never mentioned. So would you start being aware of that? You know, one small illustration. Let's just stir up a can right here. You talk about, uh, you know, Hamas attacked Israel October 7th, right? Now, now, did you know, maybe you haven't noticed, did you know the algorithms immediately kicked in? And they were people, I listened to their podcasts, other people. I just listened to a broad range of people. Some people I disagree with, agree with wholeheartedly. I would listen to them a little bit, you know. But then some of them I thought I could agree with. Boy, they got off so bad with this Israel-Hamas war thing going on. And uh, now, now they're making... Um, Israel looked like the big, bad, booger bully. 
who does every bad thing possible to people who are just innocent. Friends, that's artificial intelligence going to write. Huh? Now, where's my bigger concern? The younger people. They're raised in the Internet age. They don't know life apart from the influence of the Internet and all that you hear and see, right? And if you're in that age right here, we've got a bunch of people. You're born in that age. You need to be really careful. That's why you need this book right here. This book is the great divider. It divides us asunder soul and spirit and inside and outside, up and down. It's really great. So as much as you pay attention to all that other, make sure you got this book. You need to ingest enough of this book that you're inoculated, right, from propaganda. So I just got the question. See, see, here's the issue. I got one more thing to say about this. I got to move on for the sake of time. So, um, huh, my goodness, I don't even know if I want to go here. There is a warfare called fifth generation warfare. First, second, third, fourth generation. I don't have time to get into all that. What is fifth generation? It's a fairly, for me, a fairly new term. Maybe if you've been in armed forces, it's common to you. It wasn't common to me. Um, fifth generation warfare is not kinetic. That's not, that, that means it's not guns and bullets and bombs and, and people fighting by hand. No, it's mental warfare. Huh? And it's seeking control or sway thinking. This guy, Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone, y'all ever heard of him? He's a wonderful physician and has been really, really uh, unfairly treated after COVID. Uh, I could say a lot about COVID. COVID was a setup. And they wanted to see how far the peoples of the nations of the world would go in allowing someone else to tell them what to do, even though unconsciously they know it's not safe or true. Now, you may disagree with what I said, but you need to hear what I said. That was like a, a controlled operation to see how many people would bend. And, and you know what? I'm really amazed. I, I never been, not one time. And you know what? I won't. As long as I got. You want to know my bigger concern? The people that bent to COVID. And you know what I mean by that? Fill in all the blanks. What are they going to do when it's not COVID? But they say, now, if you want to pay your mortgage, buy some food, and you got to sign this little contract. Just, you know, mark, mark the box. Yes, I agree. To the tenets of the new world order. And then you can buy and sell and do everything you want to do. But, 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 but you just got to know everything you think belongs to us. Do what you want. And friends, that's the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist institution, whether it's him personally or not. You hear what I'm saying? And if you yielded to the COVID thing, you yield to that. Well, I got to put food on my table. I don't want my belly to be hungry. Well, I don't want to, I want to not be able to pay my mortgage. Well, I won't be able to pay my insurance. Well, I want to do things online. Well, we're going to at some point have to make a choice. And then there are those that say, well, the rapture is going to whisk me away for all that happens. I hope that's true. But if it isn't, doesn't, you need to hear me. So let me run. Listen to the scripture. Y'all good? Y'all get that? That took, wow, that took 10 minutes plus. Wow. 
Uh, Isaiah 520, woe to those who call evil good, good evil, uh, who put darkness for light, light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter. 1 Timothy 4, can I go fast? It's all in the notes and I got a bunch I won't share. Uh, Passion translation, the Holy Spirit explicitly revealed. At the end of the age, many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception. Spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. Hypocritical liars will deceive many and their consciences won't bother them at all. That's, that's happening right now. Y'all get that? Yeah. Yeah, Second uh, Timothy three thirteen. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. John eight forty four. Jesus said, "You're of the your father, the devil. The desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Does not stand in truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. When you lie, the devil's your daddy. I didn't say that. Jesus did." I had three rules for my kids, previews of things to come if you come on Wednesday night. I had three rules for my home. Always obey all authority. Number two, get along with your brothers and sisters. I'll fill in the blanks later. Number three, never, comma, ever lie. And I tell my kids, you know, liars go to hell. I'd go to Revelation 22. They're in the lake. They're in the lake, not the pretty lake with, with birds flying over it and nice blue water, the lake of fire. So you start to lie, you're going down the wrong road in life. It's better to be honest and, and, uh, and, and have the repercussions in your life than to lie. Right? Yeah. Oh, here it is, Revelation 28. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, occult practitioners, witchcraft, idolaters, and everybody say all. Put the nuance in it. All liars. They'll have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So if you're a liar, you can't go to heaven. You say, well, I made Jesus, Lord, but if you're a liar, you won't get through the pearlies. Huh? Because what you say you believe never, never entered your character and changed your life. Right? My daddy told me, he said, Daddy, he says, Mitch, don't, don't ever lie, son. And my daddy was a carpenter. Uh, he did a lot of things, uh, ambidextrous, you know, with all kind of physical things And my my grandfather was exactly the same one. My daddy said, Mitch, you know, a liar's, a, a, a being a liar is like building a house with rotten wood on the foundation. It's going to fall down real fast. He said, always remember that, son. Don't lie. It's better to be truthful than just bear the weight of, of, you know, whatever the penalty is for telling the truth, but just be truthful. And I followed that through my life, and I found it to be true, uh, truthful, to be right. Uh, Daniel Webster's 1828 dictionary definition of deceit, to mislead the mind, to cause to err, to cause to believe what's false, disbelieve what's true, to impose on, delude, beguile, cheat, to cut off expectation, frustrate, disappoint, disappoint to take from, to rob, deceive. Wow. I don't want to be a part of that, do you? There's a lot in my notes I'm not going to cover. Uh, I, I have uh, the word delusion. A delusional person uh, knows what is scientifically correct, but chooses to do the opposite. That is happening today. That's weird to me. I, I don't know how to quantify that. That's except it's delusion. How many hear me? Crazy time. So, number five. So, we're going to leave that deception. Just leave it right there. Don't be a deceived person. How many are planning on and working towards not being deceived? Raise your hand. How many want to be deceived? Raise your hand. I didn't think I was. <laughs> Get this book right here. This book right here. Woohoo! 
Woo-wee. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing how it can keep you right, keep you straight. Number five, this is not popular, but it's true, and nobody hardly in America wants to talk about it. We have had a type of Christianity that has basically had very little persecution. Did you hear me? Persecution breeds purity in the body of Christ. See how quiet it gets? So in the future, prepare for persecution. That is, people that don't like who you are, what you believe. You know, I've read a lot recently that, I don't know if I, some things I'm not going to say, I can say. Uh, Let me just say that uh, Christians are targeted today as extremists by the AI in our own government. Did you know that? And AI is targeting extremists on Facebook and YouTube and uh, lots of the other programs, right? And so that's the reason, you know, I get, uh, it's called shadow banning, where you just don't, your word just didn't get as, out as far as it could because the algorithms say, whoop, that person been saying that, 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 shut them up, shut them down, right? Persecution's coming. And particularly if you're a believer, persecutions could get really strong. Jesus talked about this as the great tribulation after the Antichrist reveals himself. And Jews and Christians are, are persecuted severely. Again, a lot of believers look at me and go, oh, we'll talk about something because they think they're being gone. I hope we are gone, but I've studied enough that I think you're going to be here for part of that. So you need to be ready for persecution. Are you willing to be persecuted, libeled, slandered, vilified, lied about, and have your character slandered, character assassination, because you believe what you do? See, listen how quiet it gets. Are you willing for somebody to say, I don't like you, I don't like anything you stand for, and you know what? I hope you go to hell. No, you know, that's what they think and feel. They won't even say that because they don't believe in hell. I hope you die a miserable death. They may say some really awful things. Are you willing for people not to like you because you love Jesus? Well, I want everybody to like me. We're going to have some really deep problems. If you, got, if, if you have this personality that wants to appease and satisfy everybody, it just won't happen today. Listen to what Jesus, can I just, now I've got, man, I think there's 16 scripture. I promise I'll read maybe two. Is that good? But they're in the notes. So listen to this. Uh, Jesus said this, Matthew 10, 16. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Be as shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves, New Living Translation. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogues. Uh, you uh, You will stand trial before governors, kings, because you're my followers. Uh, But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other believers about me. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the words at the right time, for it's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. Then he said, a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. Uh, Well, hip, hip, hooray, right? But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. You know, first century, let me just a little caveat quick. I got a lot. I shared a little piece of this. Uh, first century, uh, there, was, there was emperor worship introduced into the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire ruled the first century all the way from the top nations in Africa, we call the Horn of Africa, uh, into Europe, Middle East. All of those nations were Rome, all roads leaned 
uh, lead to Rome, uh, Pax Romana, the, the uh, Roman peace. Rome, they had such an expanse of land that Rome oversaw. And, and so many territories uh, in that big expanse from Africa all the way to the Middle East, including uh, a large portion of, of Europe, that um, they I wanted to find a way to, to get people uh, to work together and be united. And so somebody came up with the idea, well, let's worship the emperor. And at first they said, that is a really stupid idea. But you know what? As time went on, they got saying, well, you know, it might be smarter than you realize. So here's what they did. In Rome, first century, and that's why the believers were persecuted so seriously. There was one day all of the citizens of Rome, including Christians, anybody, they had to burn some incense to the emperor one day a year. That means 364 days a year, they can worship whatever quote-unquote pagan god they wanted to. And so they came to Christians and said, you can worship your god 364 days a year, but one day a year, give your worship to the emperor. And the Christians said, never happened in my life. My allegiance is to Jesus alone. And that's the reason that Christians were so vilified in the first century and had such struggles and problems. They wouldn't even yield one day to the emperor worship. Say, kill me first. I'll never, I'll never deny Jesus, not for any human, right? So you just got to be aware when you read all of the things in the New Testament about persecution, that is one of the main reasons that it was mentioned. Message paraphrase of Matthew 5.10. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you to even deeper or drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. The message paraphrase. So good. Verse 11. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means, this is Jesus talking, what it means is that the, the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. Have you noticed when you say something somebody doesn't like, the first thing they do is attack you? That's because the truth is too close, right? That's what he said. Verse 12, you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even for though they don't like it, I do. All of heaven applauds and you know you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. So I've got a lot, I mean, buku's a scripture. I don't have time to give them, but uh, um, persecution is in our, our future. I often sit back and think, and I've said this before, this is maybe weird, but I plan, I just plan, I, I think about things differently. Um, in so many areas of life. And this particular area here, uh, because I'm a public figure and because I'm a pastor, you know, I just think of what it's going to be like when somebody disagrees with me. And then I think about what it's going to be like if a government pr official says, you know, uh, you've been preaching that. I say, yes, sir, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Well, we don't want you to do that anymore. And see, I thought through, what am I going to do? And, and then they're going to say, well, now, if you keep doing that, we're going to do this. We're going to take your 501c3 away. People have to pay taxes on the money they give you ministry. Uh, then, then the eventuation would continue. Well, then if you do that, we're going to shut you down, take your building, take your land. Oh, then they might go further than that and say, well, you know, we'll just lock you up because you don't deserve to be a free person. I've uh, sat down and, and thought through on what it would feel like. I like fresh air. I like to see the blue sky. I like to hear the birds sing, and I like to ride my bike. 
But if you put me in a cubicle because of what I do, you would hear me praising God real loud. How many hear me? So, well, no, no. What you going to do? If you never think about it, you might kowtow. You might turn tail. Would you? Are you going to stand up for Jesus? I mean, Christmas is coming. Somebody in your family is not going to like you. Say, well, won't you talk about religion? Because you said, let's pray over the meal. You're going to either go, tuck my tail between my legs and turn around. Or you're going to say, no, you can just stand. We're going to pray. So what you going to do? Right? So I just want, to, want you to think about it. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.12, yes, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Are you ready? Hip, hip, hooray. Isn't this exciting? Look at everybody. The reality is, listen, I've been to places. You know, I could tell you stories in Ethiopia, stories in India. I've been to both of those places a good bit, been all over India. Been, been in Ethiopia, two specific places, and there's some real persecution. One evangelist that worked with us, it cost him his life. Another one, they burned his house down. Okay? I was in Bangladesh in 1999. We got rocks thrown at us because of who we are and what we believe. Right? So, I mean, that's simple, and that's not really bad, but you know what I'm saying? So I'm just saying you got it good. But what if the government turns against you and turns against the Jesus in you? What are you going to do? Are you going to stand strong? This will separate, so to speak, the men from the boys and the women from the girls. So what are you going to be? you going to stand strong? Do you believe it strongly enough to be persecuted for it? You know, I've been to uh, Russia been to Siberia, and I've, I've talked to some of the people, the older people, you know, they, they were that Bolshevik regime. They, uh, they were there. I've talked to people who's, and maybe some in the room that understand what I'm saying, that their relatives spent time in prison. Some of them did because of what they believed. You willing to do that? Well, that'll never happen here. Well, if you just, uh, if you're not praying and seeking God, you don't know what may happen, Right? So i got a lot to say about that, but just be aware that persecution is in our future. Go read my notes. There's a lot there. Number six, this is the last one. I'll be done with this. Next Sunday, we'll have something fresh. Hot dog. And I mean this one. Keep love in the center of how you relate to people. Did you hear me? Well, I just love everybody. Well, well, let them do something you don't like, and how do you treat them then? Jesus said, if you only love the people that love you back, that means absolutely nothing. You can go to the bar, and people in the bar, they'll, they'll cry with each other, cry over their beer, cry over their bourbon. And love each other, right? It's just because you love your family, love people that love you. Well, what do you do with people that don't like you and do things that you just aggravate you to the nth degree? How do you treat them? That's the question. So Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 12. I'm about done. Y'all good? You got a, a few more minutes of listening available? All right. Matthew 24, 12. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
or message paraphrase has it absolute the best. Many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Pastor, my love's all burned up. I'm just fed up with people. I'm just tired. I'm just tired of being treated that way. I ain't taking it anymore. Jesus did. Just don't forget. So, you know, I was 18 years old when I found out. Well, I've been in church all my life and didn't get the revelation for, that's probably me. Maybe everybody else understood. But when I heard about walking in love, I'm clueless. What does that mean to walk in love? And, you know, the honest truth is when I started reading about what love is and how it acts, I hadn't seen very, very many people that do that. Because you know what we did in my circles? We loved the people that loved us. And if you didn't like us, we're going to get you, boy. We're going we gonna to find a way. We're going to get you back. Yeah. Your tire might be flat one day. You may find this or that happening. We're going to get you back. Watch too many, we watched too many movies. That's what it was. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, I will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Listen to Ephesians. That's Jesus. Here's Ephesians 5, the apostle Paul. Uh, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Everybody say, walk in love. That means 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even when you don't feel it, love people. And then Hebrews 13, 2, let love for your fellow believers continue and be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. Amplified New Testament. And then 1 Peter 4, 8, amplified New Testament. Above all these things have intense, literally white heated like the coal on your barbecue that's white with heat. If you touch it, it's going to burn your little finger. And above all these things, have intense and unfailing love for one another. For love covers the multitude of sin, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. And then I just added this, Matthew 5 in the notes. I hope you all got this. I hope I did. Matthew 5, 43, 44. Here's the, here's the kick. This, this is where the rubber meets the road. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. And I can just hear the disciples saying, yep, we can do that pretty easy. We can love our, love our friends and we really don't like our enemies at all. And then he said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Then he tells you what to do when somebody does something that you don't like and treats you badly. Love your enemies. How? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you or use you to their advantage and persecute you. You ever been spitefully used at work? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to tell a story and go home. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 5, love endures long and is patient and kind. We could stop right there and that sinks most of our ships. (laughs) Love endures long. Everybody say endures long. How long have you been putting up with that whatever in somebody? Maybe it's somebody you're married to. Maybe it's somebody at work, right? And it's patient and kind while some people endure long. They're just not patient and kind while they do it. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful, vainglorious, doesn't display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, doesn't insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy. Now, we could just stop right there. Well, so-and-so, I don't know how we're going to act today. They might be in a mood today. If you're a touchy person, you're a selfish person. If everybody's got to walk on eggshells around you, you are one selfish person. I can tell you that because I used to be that way. And God had to really help me. 
And sometimes I still want to be that way. And the Holy Spirit has to say, what you doing, bud? Right? It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. And then here's the kicker. It takes no account of the evil done to it. Everybody says it takes no account. It's an accounting term. Make, love doesn't make lists, one translation says. It takes no account, doesn't make lists of the evil done to it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. So you ask yourself with your spouse, with people close to you, with the people you work with, people in your family, when they do something you don't like, how do you act towards them? If you're aloof, you give them the silent treatment, or you have a, a nice flow of words their direction, and you fussing at them all the time, got this little edge on you, you're not walking in love, right? So let me tell you a story. Love is really important. I didn't know anything about this when I, un, until I was, until 1976. I was born in 1958, think of it. I never heard this till 1976, that means for almost 18 years, I, didn't, I, I went to church, but I didn't understand this kind of love. So here's, here's where the rubber met the road. 1980, I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was working for Safeway Stores Incorporated, going to my second Bible school, and they had um, a union in the store. They paid these, these guys an inordinate amount of money. I just couldn't believe it. I mean, crazy. And I became uh, actually the night manager there at the store. Uh, one of the had 23 Safeway stores at the time in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a large grocery chain worldwide. Not many this side of Mississippi, wasn't then anyway. Anyway, uh, they had a union, paid a lot of money, blah, blah. Well, the union went on strike Christmas of 1980. Susan and I had planned a trip to come back to South Carolina and see our parents and such for Christmas. And, uh, <clears throat> and I had to work, I just had to work and make money. You know, if you're not working, you're not going to make any money. I had to pay for the trip, yada, yada. And then we'd be gone, you know, for, for a while. So uh, I had to work. So I got to work one night. I worked from 11 to 7, then went home, took a shower, and went to Bible school. And then Susan's faithful elbow kept me awake during classes. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. So one night I got to work. And here's this bunch of people. They got a little picket line. They got a picket line in front of the store with little signs. And they're walking. And so I pull up in my little car, and this one guy, he was in the meat market, and they cut meat in the stores at the time. He, the meat market was actually uh, uh, protesting the union for wages, yada. And uh, this one guy, he said, Mitch, is that you? And I didn't know the term. He said, you scabbing on me, boy? And they call you a scab if you walked across the picket line because you can't do that. So... I said, I'm not scabbing anybody. I just got to go to work. My work's over there across that line. I'm going to go in there. He said, you a scab. I said, well, a lot of people call me lots of things, but I'm going in there to work. You have a great night. And I walked through, you know. And every night, he said, here come the scab. Here come the scab. So I walked across the picket line every single, until the thing was over, you know. And then after it was over, we worked all night, 11 o'clock at night till 7 in the morning. 7 in the morning, you know, we got to have the store ready for the next day. I was responsible for ordering all the goods and make sure the guys that worked with me put it on the shelves. And we had to make the floors look perfect and yada, yada. So 7 o'clock in the morning, everything's got to be ready. And then all the other employees during the day started coming in. And this meat market guy come in at 7 o'clock in the morning. And he would get his key, you know, and tap on the glass. Ta, 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 ta. I'm in the back of the store. I come running. And I unlock the door. I say, well, hey, so-and-so. And after I scabbed, in his mind, he acted like I was the invisible man. I opened that door. He said, I said, well, hey, it's a great day. He wore, wore a big old cowboy hat, big old buckle, yeah, cowboy boots. He's a big old guy. And I said, well, hey, so-and-so, it's good to see you. He acted like I didn't exist. Just walked right by me. 
I said, it was good to see you. He never responded. So, so after that, you know, a few minutes later, 20 minutes later, whatever, you know, we're, uh, everybody's in a circle. I'm getting ready to go home, and they're, they're before they clock in, so they got them a cup of coffee, and they're standing in a circle, you know, talking. And, and I come up to the circle, and I'm about to leave. Said, well, I'm about to leave. And everybody be talking, so I'd respond to what somebody said and then what somebody else said. And then, and then he would say something, and then I would say something, and he would act like I never said a word. He was in the circle, you know. And, and I thought, well, my Lord, he is acting like I'm not here. Oh. Well, the next morning, the same thing happened. And every morning that I worked, he would come to the door, knock, 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 knock. I'd open the door, say, hey, so-and-so. And he'd act like I didn't exist. So I said, Lord, this is the test because I wanted to give him something. And it was a five-knuckle sandwich. I just wanted to give him, you know. I just got aggravated with the guy. And God said, Mitch, just love him. And you know what I did every morning? This, uh, I'm not, ma- I'm serious. This, this went on for, I think, about three months. Every day I opened the door, he act, would not acknowledge me, would not say my name, would not respond to anything I said. And in conversation with anybody else, I'm the invisible man. So I just started talking to him as if he was being nice. And I would make comments about his clothes, comments about this or that, comments about the day. And every day for three months, he said nothing. I thought, well, Lord, and the Lord reminded me, Mitch, do you remember that I said in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. I say, I remember. He said, just keep it up. So I mean, three months, y'all, all right? Three months is a long time, 12 weeks or so, no kidding. One day, so make the story short, <laughs> he knocked on the door, knock, 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 knock open the door and I was expecting the normal response which I'm the invisible man I opened the door he said well hello Mitch it's a great day <laughs> if my false teeth were teeth were false I'd have dropped them on the ground I said well my, and you know what I didn't say anything about the, the three months I said well you know it is a great day it's so good to see you he said well it's good to see you too and I got in my car that morning on the way to Bible school I thought, oh God Love never fails. Love never fails. Now, now, what did I have to do to do that? I had to forget about how he treated me, what he said or what he didn't say. He probably talked to, about me to others. I had to be willing to overlook that, right? But see, love never fails. And it taught me, and then, you know, to this day, I think about that thing. I think about that man. And so people that don't do what I think they ought to do or treat me in a way I don't think they'd be treated. I remember the man with the big cowboy hat, the big belt buckle, and the nice... Big old shoes, cowboy shoes, you know, boots. And I remember that love never fails. So what about you? All of us have tests this week. Things are going to happen this week, whether it's at work or with your spouse, with your children, with your friends, in your neighborhood. Some dog's going to poop in your yard. What you got? I got a story about that one too. What you going to do? Best thing you're going to do is love them because love never fails. And the world's going to get nastier the closer we get to Jesus coming back.